Are you ready for Christmas? 21 days until it's here. Three weeks. How many of you have all of your presents bought? Let me see hands right now. How many of you just think, not yet, but I'm waiting for the sale to start on the 23rd? There you go. A few of you in that category. Don't wait till the 24th because nothing's left. It's just barren at that point in time. Well, I'm going to give you like the best, easiest softball question ever in the church world. There's a story about a Sunday school teacher teaching some little boys and girls, and she was asking them questions about different things, and she was describing something, and she said, this thing is out in the, the yard, and it runs around and climbs in trees. Who knows what I'm talking about? And they all kind of look at each other, and nobody, everybody's afraid to answer, and she says, they're kind of bushy, and they have a bushy tail, and they, they eat nuts, and who knows what I'm talking about? And they all look at each other. Everybody's kind of afraid to answer, and she says, um, they climb real high up in trees, and they jump around in trees. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And finally, one little boy raised his hand, and he said, well, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it sure sounds like you're talking about a squirrel. <laughs> so here's your softball question for you that's going to be super easy. Who is the greatest Christmas gift ever? Jesus. All right. So you did great. You didn't even have to worry. Does he mean squirrel or something else out there? Jesus is the greatest gift ever. Over the next four weeks, though, I want us to look at how that breaks down and plays out for us. What does that mean in a practical sense? I think that it's, it's very easy for us to get the big concepts of God and Christmas and those kind of things, but not really dig in and look at them if we're not careful. The first thing I want to talk about, and each week we'll be looking at something different that Jesus gives us, but because he is the greatest Christmas gift ever, he offers forgiveness and cleansing from sin. 2 Corinthians 9.15, you'll probably see this every week. This is Paul talking about the church at Corinth and the gifts they had given. And now he's talking, he pauses to thank them for what they've done, and he concludes with this thought, but thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. And the word inexpressible there actually is a word in the Greek language that Paul somewhat manufactures. He kind of makes it up a little bit. It's not, it wasn't a common word, wasn't really a usable word. Anybody know someone that makes up words occasionally? That's kind of what Paul does right here. He just gets this word that means it's beyond any description. It's bigger than anything you can imagine. It's incomparable to think that you could somehow define it. And he makes this word up. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. We all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave the gift of Jesus, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Matthew chapter 1. There's going to be a lot of scripture today. But just for your, that's not a new thing. There normally is. But I think it's good. And there's more I could have put in. So if you think I missed one somewhere in there, I probably did. But I'm trying to get it done here. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. 
As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Now that name Jesus was actually a very common name among the Jewish people. It's also the same root word of the word Joshua, and it means God is salvation. So Jesus, his very name means the one who comes to be the Savior, the one through whom God will bring salvation to the world. Christmas is well established as the gift-giving season of the year. Now, if you have... If you've been around for a while, you maybe have already taken on this practice. If not, I would encourage you, it will ease a lot of the tension of this season. Anyone ever have this happen to you that someone comes by the house or, or they see you, you know, work or wherever, and they go, oh, I have a Christmas gift for you. And your first thought is not, I wonder what they've got me. Your first thought is not, uh, oh, this is so nice or so exciting. Your first thought is, I didn't get them anything. Can anybody relate to that? Buy a few extra gifts throughout the year. Keep them in arm's reach. And when someone brings you something, you say, just a minute, I have something for you too. I didn't know it was going to be for you, but now it is. You don't have to say that last part. It's a time of the year where gifts are given at record pace. Many retailers look to this season right now to make a lot of their budget for the year. It's a big time right now. And gift giving was all established by the pattern of God who gave his son Jesus. Now, a great gift has multiple applications. Jesus is a great gift. There are going to be four applications we look at and many, many more I could dig into of what he gives us because he came as God's gift to the world. A great gift has multiple applications. Think about this just as an example. If someone gave another person a house, what a great gift that would be. But the house is more than just a building, right? What does a house give you? A house provides shelter. A house provides a place to sleep. A house is a place to eat, a place to, to clean up, a place for connection and relationships to be built. Like I said, over the next four weeks, we're looking at how the gift of Jesus through faith, we receive many gifts that will meet all of our deepest needs in life. The gift of Jesus impacts every area of your life. The one I want to look at today is this. When Jesus was given to the world, he brought the provision of forgiveness and cleansing from all of our sins. Some people kind of debate this thing about Christmas, Easter, which one's most important. And I kind of look at it like this. I guess if push comes to shove, I would probably say Easter because that's where he, atonement was made. That's where he died for our sins. But if there wasn't a Christmas, <laughs> there wouldn't be an Easter. So they really are more in sync with each other. They're part of the whole grand picture of God's love for us. God loved us so much. And by the way, don't, don't play down. I started to right there, and I want to make sure I don't miscommunicate to you. Don't play down the fact of the birth of Jesus not being a big deal. Jesus left heaven. Paul talks about it real clearly to the Philippian church, and he talks about the, the the, the ordeal that it was for Jesus to lay all of that aside 
It's an incredible thing. The incarnation, God becoming man, is a very big deal. It culminates with Easter where because he became like us, he died for us and rose from the dead. I'll hit that again in just a minute. When you accept the gift of Jesus, you immediately are free from the penalty of sin. It's gone. No longer held against you. When you accept the gift of Jesus, you are daily free from the power of sin. There's a lot of debate about how this works exactly. We are of a nature in our church. We believe in the free free will of man. And some people talk about, when you talk about a further angle, they may use a phrase like once saved, always saved. And others on the other side talk about the possibility of backsliding. And uh, I was talking with a Baptist brother several years ago. We're doing a funeral together. We're in the car riding to the cemetery. And he says, what do you think about this whole doctrine? I got a lot of similarly God people in my family. And he goes, what do you think about the whole thing? Well, first of all, it's a mystery of God that's very difficult for us to put in human understanding. I do believe this, the possibility of backsliding is very real, but you don't have to. Sometimes those of us who have the value of free will, we talk about the possibility of backsliding to the point that we, if we're not careful, we meet people, move people to being, believing in eternal insecurity. Never really sure. Hope I didn't mess up yesterday. Don't know if it's good or not. The grace of God is sufficient. And here's what I said to the guy. I said, I believe you can be as secure as you want to be. Not in your power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you don't have to walk around all day wondering if you're going to get to go to heaven or not. Every day, allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen you to be free from the power of sin. By the way, Paul talks about this when he says that we are no longer slaves of sin to obey what it would command us to do. But now we have freedom in Christ. We have freedom from the penalty of sin when we get saved. We have freedom from the power of sin as we daily submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And one day we will be free from the presence of sin. That's going to be a great day. Three things I want to tell you about salvation today. And the gift that God gives us through Jesus Christ, number one is this. And it's a redundant statement. I'm going to tell you that up front. I really struggled using this word because I don't like redundancy. That Using words you don't need. Uh, superfluous would be another word. I don't like things that have more. Get, get it, say it, say it right. And how many of you know now on your computer when you're doing a Word document, there's this thing called editor that will come up and tell you that is redundant. Eliminate this word. And it does that, honestly, to a lot of Scripture. So I just skip that and leave Scripture as it is. We're not going to go there. Free gift, though, is a bit redundant because if it's not free, it's not a gift. Any of you get those things in the mail or those phone calls? I would like to make you a great offer. Is it free? No, then it's not a great offer. You're going to be making money in this deal. I know that right now. I know how life works. We were in Israel. We were buying things over there, and uh, we, were, we were bartering with them back and forth, and we always got it for a whole lot less than they started with. Can I just tell you right now, I never felt deep compassion 
for those who were selling their goods and who were, who were there in the marketplace, I never felt like they probably lost money on that deal. They're not going to sell it and lose money. Deals that come our way are best when they are free. One of my friends likes to say free is his favorite number. Salvation is a free gift. The Greek word that's used for gift in 2 Corinthians 9, 5 that we started off with is dorea. And it's found 11 times in the New Testament. And it always refers to God's gift to man. And it has this connotation connected to it of freeness and abundance. That was a great time to say amen. I got to keep training you people till you finally get there. That was really a time to shout right there. The gifts that God gives to his people, they are free and they are abundant. That's awesome. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we're going to deplete God's supply. Are you kidding me? You know what God says when, when he pours out his spirit upon us? You know what word he's longing to hear from us? More. It's not a selfish word. It's a submissive word. More. God, give us more of you in our lives. Overflow with your abundance in our lives. It's a free gift. Think about it when you hear the word here. In the Greek, it would be dorea. Here it is in Romans 6, 23. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I've got a thing in my Bible program that when I copy a statement over, it automatically puts it in there with notes for you. So you got that today. I really like that. I try not to take anybody's stuff exactly, but I use a lot of sources, and I don't always give exact quotation because you don't know who these people are anyway, but I just want to be have integrity in what I do. But here's the statement that comes from L.L. Morris. Salvation is God's good gift to men, and all the rest arises from this basic truth. The gift of salvation is generated by God's goodness. It's not anything you did, but it's everything he did. God saved you, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. I've done this a few times at funerals, and I got to tell you, it's very awkward when I make this statement. Because when we come to funerals, we expect to hear statements about this person was phenomenal, they were awesome, they were great. And often that is true of the funerals that we have here. But you have to go on to make this statement, which makes people very awkward and makes them squirm a little bit when you say, but they're not going to get to heaven. They weren't good enough to get into heaven. Wait, what? No, they're going to be in heaven because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes if we're not careful, we almost feel like in our Christian funerals that you earned your way there. Look at all the good they did and how awesome they are. I'm, I'm sure they're in heaven. Listen, there are going to be a lot of people on that last day that are going to come up to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, we did miracles. We did all these great things. And the Lord will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. It's not based on the things that you do. That is not the cause of salvation. That's the effect of salvation. It's not, it's not the root of salvation. 
It's the fruit of salvation. It's not what causes it. It's what comes from it. Some of you got nervous right now when I said that. You were thinking, oh, please don't ever say that at a funeral I'm at. You're not getting in because you are good. You're not that good. Nobody is. We are saved by grace. Let that truth grab your heart, and it will cause you to shout. It will give you victory because you realize it's not based on your limited abilities and your limited resources. It's based on the unfathomable grace of God, which goes beyond measure. Salvation is a free gift from God. Second thing along the same line, I've just kind of alluded to it, but salvation is an unattainable gift. Think if you're stuck in a place and the only way out is to, if you had a, you could, you could, you could put a, a board up and you could cross over if you had a board long enough, but the board, you need to cross the, the, the chasm, the board would need to be 50 feet long. And the board that you have is five feet long. How many of y'all know, boy, this is an old dated reference. You guys may not know what I'm talking about over here. But how many of you know even MacGyver couldn't get out of that one? <laughs> you got to have something to work with. You don't have the ability. It is unattainable for you to reach salvation in your own efforts. Your best efforts are like filthy rags. They, they have no beauty. They have no, no value. As it comes for you being saved, they'll never measure up. But that's the beautiful picture that Jesus Christ came down to earth and he laid down his life. And guess what? It was the perfect size. It was the right distance. I'll talk about this next week even more detail. But when he laid down his life, he reconnected us with the opportunity of experiencing salvation. He did what we couldn't do. Titus 3, 3 through 7, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. How many of you just feel blessed and edified right there? Basically, Paul says to Titus, we were the biggest bunch of losers. We had nothing going for us. We were doing horrible things, wrong things. Verse 4, but, <laughs> I love that transition. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If you don't have a favorite Bible verse, the only one you can ever quote is John 3, 16, could I encourage you to take up Titus 3, 3 through 7? Isn't that a great little passage right there? We were foolish. Can somebody say, that's me? <laughs> Disobedient. We were in trouble, but God looked on us 
with kindness and with mercy, and he saved us. When Jesus Christ came and was born of a virgin, laid in a manger, it was this moment of God giving a gift to us that we could never reach in our own ability. The only reason heaven is a possibility is by the grace of God. Stop trying to earn your salvation and start trusting in Jesus. Don't think that it's about you working harder or turning over a new leaf or getting a New Year's resolution. Those are coming up in a few weeks. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but the foundation of all of this is in the grace of God, the power of the Spirit, His kindness, His mercy. Can I tell you to change your view of God if, if you have this view? Some people think that God is up in heaven just waiting with greased lightning bolts for one little mess up, and he is going to just rip you a new one. I mean, it's going to be something else. There, there were some people well-meaning a few years ago put up signs around the nation, actually, God speaking to the world. And some were pretty good. Some of them, boy, they, they needed somebody helping them out. One of the ones that missed the mark so bad, it said this. It was a highway sign. You'd see it driving down. It says, don't make me come down there, God. And I was like, please come down here. Are you kidding me? It's this mindset that somehow God has had about all of you he can take, and you do that one more time, and I'm going to let you have it. No, understand, Jesus is right now praying for you in heaven. The Father longs for you to be connected with him in intimacy as his child to the point that he sent his son to die for you. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower you and dwell in you. God is cheering for you. God is rooting for you. He wants you to succeed. He wants you to win. He is the author of salvation. You didn't figure this out on your own. He put it together. It's unattainable in your own ability, in your own strength. You'll never reach it. You'll never get there. Now, the truth that is expressed in Titus 3, 3 through 7, should form the foundation of a life that is filled with praise. Can somebody say amen? What do I have to praise God for today? Well, how about this? Your life was messed up. You were foolish, disobedient. You were hating others and being hated by them. You were filled with malice and envy, but God saved you. He delivered you. He transformed you. Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. Third thing, salvation is an essential or appropriate gift. I put essential, I started appropriate back and forth. I put them both in there. I think they're in your notes both ways. Essential is really the, 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 the essence of what I'm trying to say, but I also wanted to mention that it's appropriate. Paul says to the church of Galatia, at exactly the right moment, God sent his son. It wasn't like, well, we're pretty close. Let's see what happens. At the perfect moment, God did this. I don't have time to go into all of what that means. It's an incredible study all within its own right there. But at the exact right moment, God sent his son. 
It was what we needed. It was the essential thing for us. Appropriate always, and I was afraid they'd get the wrong message. Um, if I didn't put both words together, essential, you know, I don't know what that means. It's something you have to have. That could be underwear. Nobody likes getting underwear for Christmas. Just a side note for everybody out there. But, but, but it was appropriate. It was right. It was needed. Because the only way to have your sins forgiven is through faith in Jesus there is a strong voice in our world today that tells us to be more inclusive of other people and their, their thought process of theology. And while we love everyone, we do not accept doctrine that is contrary to the word of God. We don't have to be hateful about it, but we cannot afford to be weak. We must have a strong understanding. There is only one way to be saved. It's through faith in Jesus. The devil is the author of confusion. He has brought many things into many people's minds to, to get them on the wrong path. Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. When Jesus left heaven, he was coming with purpose. He was coming on a mission. What was that mission? To provide opportunity for your sins to be forgiven. Why was it necessary? Because sin separates us from a holy God. There can never be any way for us to be reconciled because of sin. But Jesus Christ came and lived a sinless life. I know this is going to not work mathematically for you, but biblically it's a truth. He was 100% God and 100% man. Some of you right now are going, wouldn't he be 50-50? No. He was fully both. It's a long, lengthy discussion there too, but, but if you need to talk to me, give me a call. We'll work through it. Fully God, fully man. And in that very unique position, he alone could provide salvation. May we never lose our excitement over this basic fundamental concept of theology. That God loved us and Jesus came sacrificially leaving heaven to be scorned and ridiculed, to die on a cross. He did all of that voluntarily, willingly, because of his love for us. And because of that, we can now be joined back together in relationship with God. If Jesus had never been born, we would be eternally doomed. He is the hope. He is the only hope of man. There is no other way. But when we put our faith and our trust in him, 1 John 1, 9 comes alive to us. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful. Faithful means consistent all the time, something you can count on, not part-time. How many of you would like it if your car started 80% of the time? <laughs> if it does, it's time for a new car, by the way. 
amazing some of the statistics that you'll read about how accurate things are like the post office with the mail that we get. Anybody in the last year get a piece of mail in your mailbox that didn't belong to you? I, yeah, most of us. But yet, what do you expect for 52 cents or whatever it is, I guess? I don't know. But they do pretty well. Statistics show they're up in the upper 90 percentiles, 99 point something probably that they get accurate. But yet, that's not completely 100% foolproof, is it? Anybody ever, uh, hopefully nobody's had this happen to the fullest extent. I've had my luggage misplaced by the airlines, but they've always recovered it and gotten it back to me. I don't know if anybody here has ever truly lost a bag, but that would be a very frustrating thing indeed. They get most of the bags there on time. And I was, I was watching a thing, a documentary this week on the, the busiest airport in America. And they were talking about how many bags go through that airport every day. I got to be honest. I was amazed that when my bags go through that airport, that somehow they get out of there and onto the right flight. Reminds me of a story of a guy who went up to buy a ticket at the counter, something you dare not do today, but back in the day many people did. And he said, I would like a ticket to fly to Miami. And she said, okay. He says, but there's a couple of other things I want to condition on here. He says, I got a suitcase right here. I want this one to go to Tampa. And he said, in this suitcase right here, I want this one to go to New York City. And she said, sir, we, 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 can't, we can't do that. He said, well, you did last time that I flew with you. <laughs> you hope they get it right. But can I tell you that with Jesus, it is 100 out of 100. He is faithful. There's never a miss. There's never a bobble. There's never an error. If you confess your sins, if you will cry out to him for help, he is faithful every time. Every person never misses. Not only faith, but he's also just. That means fair. How many of you know life's not fair? When I used to be a youth camp director, we'd start every week off with that statement by every kid in the camp. I say, everybody, I want you to say a couple things with me today. First one is this, camp's not fair. Just get that out of the way right now. That way you don't complain later on when something happens that you didn't think was right. Because you can't get everything right for everybody, but Jesus does. He does not look at you differently, looks at somebody else, when you cry out to him and confess your sins and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and he is just. Now look at what he'll do. You know the verse, it's well known, to forgive your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I always think about this, because as a boy, I guess was a common thing for me. I always think about this with yeah, I've told y'all this before. In high school, I was voted most likely to get a stain on his shirt. It's just kind of my thing. I don't know. And as a kid, I mean, I got stuff on my pants all the time, you know. Maybe it was dirt from going outside and playing above our grass stains or whatever, or mustard off a hot dog. Or, I mean, something I found ways and still do. Y'all pray for Janet. She, she has to deal with all this stuff. But when I think of this verse that to forgive and to cleanse, I think of clothes. That's the picture that comes to my mind. And it's kind of a biblical reference in some other spots anyway. 
but I think of it like this. It'd be like me coming in when I was a kid. My mom had just bought me a brand new, you know, Easter outfit. How many remember those days we used to get Easter outfits? Let's bring that back. That was good stuff. And invariably, I would spill, you know, deviled eggs or whatever on the white pants that I had because white was a good color when I was nine. It was, it was the thing. And I'd spill something on there or whatever. And, I, you know, I'd go tell my mom I spilled, you know, mustard on my white pants or whatever, and she'd go, it's okay. That, that's, that's the forgiving part. You're not going to be punished. You know, it was probably an accident. I always have to put, put probably in there because you never know for sure, but probably an accident. You're not going to be punished. And she, then she'd say, go change and bring me those pants back. Let me see what I can do. Then she would take out whatever trick she has and whatever stuff she has. And then the next day, she'd give them back to me, and there would be no stain. It was like, they're just like new again. I can wear these like nothing ever happened. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us and then cleanse us. Wow. This will get your Christmas started in a really good fashion if you get this in your heart. God is faithful. John 1, 11 and thir- through 13 says, He came to his own. His own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. His own did not receive him, but everyone who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Jesus was born to communicate God's love to us. Jesus lived to show an example of how we can live in God's grace. Jesus fulfilled his purpose by dying in our place. Jesus rose from the dead to give us victory over death. And he ascended to prepare a place for us to be with him forever. We can put our hope and our faith in Jesus Christ because when he came to this earth, one of the provisions that he brought with him was forgiveness and cleansing of all of our sins. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Everything becomes new. There's a parable, you've probably heard it before, but I want to share it with you again today as I conclude. The parable is about a very wealthy man, and he had a devoted young son. His wife had passed away. It was just the, this, this man and his son, and they developed a passion for art collecting. They traveled around the world. The man was very wealthy, and they went into the finest art treasures that they could find, and they would add them to their collections. They had works in their, in their big house that they owned, that the man owned of Picasso and Van Gogh, and those kind of portraits and those kind of paintings were all filled in the house. The, the, the widowed elder man looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. The son had this very good eye for what was valuable and what would go well and how it would come together. It's a very sharp business mind. The older man was very proud as he looked at his son. And one year in particular, as winter approached, the war 
engulfed the nation. This story would come back from the World War II days probably. It's when it first originated. It's a parable, not a true story, but it makes the point. The young man got called to serve his country. And after he'd been gone a few weeks, his father received that telegram no one ever wanted to receive. It said his son was missing in action. Great art collector anxiously awaited news, fearing he would never see his son again. Within a few days, his fear was confirmed. The young man had died while rushing to help a fellow soldier to a medic. The old man was beside himself over this news, especially as he thought about facing Christmas holidays. But instead of joy, there would be anguish and sadness. The joy of this season that he and his son had so looked forward to would not happen. On Christmas morning, though, there was a knock at the door. The old man went to the door. All throughout the house, all of the art masterpieces were on display. And as he opened the door, there was a soldier there with a large package in his hand. And he introduced himself to the older man. And he said, I was a friend of your son. He says, as a matter of fact, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. He said, can I come in and talk to you for a minute or two? And the old man said, sure, please come in. He said, I want to show you what I brought. They began to talk, and the soldier told of how the man's son had told everyone of his, and not to mention his father's love of fine art. And the soldier said, I'm an artist. At least I try to be. He said, I want to give you this piece of art that I recently put together. And as the old man wrapped the package, it revealed a portrait of his son. Now, this piece of art would never be valued in the art world, but to this, this old art collector, it was incredibly valuable because it was a reflection of his son that, that had been painstakingly painted. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier, and he said, I'll hang it by the fireplace. That meant that he had to take one of the real masterpieces out of the way to put this painting there. Singing by the fireplace with all of the hundreds of thousands of dollars of other paintings in the house. The man sat in his chair and through Christmas season gazed at the gift that had been given and somehow it brought him some comfort. The story goes on and it wasn't very long after that that the elder man himself became sick. He passed away. News of his passing kind of echoed around through all of the art world and people that knew of the great collection he had because he only had one son who had died. His wife had died. He had no family. And so everyone knew these pieces of art are going to be available at an auction. And sure enough, word came out there will be a great auction of all of these great pieces of work, the Monet's, the the van goes, all of these great pieces of art are going to be auctioned off. On the day of the auction, the, the, the place there by the house was just filled, and, and there was a buzz. You could just sense the excitement in the crowd. The auctioneer stood up, and he said, at the request of the will of the older gentleman, the first item up for auction today will be the portrait of his son, all of the great collectors were like, okay, whatever. Get this out of the way. We're not here for that kind of a thing. We want, 
the real paintings, the masterpieces, the ones that everyone will clamor over. And sure enough, they started the auction. The auctioneer said, who will give me $100 for the painting of the sun? Place is quiet. Nobody responds. As a matter of fact, he keeps begging for someone to make a bid. And he kept saying to them, folks, we can't go on until we auction off this item. This one has to be sold before any others can be sold. You can hear the rumblings of people who are there to get these great paintings. As they're rumbling. They're saying, can we just get on with it? Can we move on to the real paintings? Finally, one of the old man's very dear friends who was not very wealthy said, well, I'll give $10 for it because I knew the boy and he was a good boy. That's all I have. And the rest of the crowd with great joy that someone had finally made a bid said, good, good, good. And the auctioneer said, is there anyone that would like to raise the $10 bid? Nobody. Everything is silent. The auctioneer says, going once, going twice, final chance. Anyone want to raise the $10 bid? In silence, the auctioneer said, sold for $10. Then he said, ladies and gentlemen, this concludes our auction today. And the crowd said, wait, wait, what? What about the Monet? What about the Van Gogh? What, what about all the other paintings? He said, I wasn't able to tell you this beforehand, but the, the elderly man had in the will that whoever gets the sun gets it all. And he said, all of the artwork will go to this man right here. Can I tell you today that when you get the sun, you get it all. Now, I don't know where you are today in your spiritual journey. Don't you wish our spiritual journey was like following our GPS to get us where we're wanting to go and it was just simple and easy and kept us on good streets. But sometimes life takes twists and turns that we never had an idea would happen. Sometimes things happen that just really knock us off our bearings. Can I tell you that the GPS that God has provided for us is called the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you and he will lead you, Jesus said. He will guide you in all truth. Listen to that Holy Spirit voice in you and come back to Jesus. Get on the right path. Maybe you're here today and you're not following Christ at all. What a great time for you to start. As many as would receive him, to them he gave the power, the authority to become children of God. Maybe you're here today and you've been following Christ for a long time. You should be the first ones to shout. You should be the quickest to respond. This place should be filled with celebration of joy because when Jesus came, he brought provision of forgiveness and cleansing of all our sins. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment all across the room? If you're watching online, I invite you right now to join us here in the room at there where you are. We just take a moment right now. Let me ask this question first. If you're here today and you would honestly say, I don't have a relationship with God. I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, I'm not asking, are you a good person? My best efforts fall woefully short. None of us can earn our way. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. 
you're here today and you've never made that profession of faith, I invite you to join me and join others in just a moment in celebrating the grace of God that brings us to salvation. If you're here today in the room, you'd say, Pastor, I need that in my life. Would you lift your hand right now as high as you can all across the room? I'll be looking for you and I want to pray with you. I need to confess Jesus as my Savior. I need to confess my sins that I would be forgiven and cleansed. How many would there be here today? Pastor, that's what I need in my life. If you're watching online, maybe go to that comment box right now and say, I want to accept Jesus. We'll follow up with you and connect with you, give you some things to help you grow spiritually. How many would there be here today that would say, Pastor, I'm not really where I need to be today or where I want to be. Maybe this, this end of the year is a good time for me to evaluate and make sure that I get on the right path I want to get back right with God. I want to get closer to Him. How many of you, that would be your statement today? Would you raise your hand all across this room right now? That's you at home. Yes, thank you. How many others? I want to get back where I need to be. I want to renew that commitment I have to Him. How many of you join me right now all across the room and would say, I want to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ cleanses me and forgives all of my sins and makes me a new person. If that's you, would you lift your hand with me right now all across this room? I'm celebrating the goodness of God. I'm celebrating the faithfulness of God. I want you to stand with me if you would, please. Our prayer team is coming right now to the front. Elders, if you would come, those of you that are involved in prayer ministry, if you would come right now, and if you desire prayer today for any reason at all, they're here to join you in prayer. If you raised your hand, I'd encourage you especially to be one of the first ones to come up here. But today, if you have a financial need, a physical need, a spiritual need, a relationship issue, whatever it is, wisdom, whatever it is, God is so good that when we ask, he is faithful to give. We're going to sing a song of worship and praise to God. As we're singing that song, if you need prayer, would you make your way to the front right now and let a person of faith join with you and believe for God to meet your need today? Would you come right now even as we sing?